Don? Don, is that you? Hoo! Hoo! Oh, it's just an owl. I miss you, Don. If somehow you can hear me, please, please know, I'm so sorry for podcasting with someone else. If you could see it in your heart to forgive me, I would spend the rest of my life making it up to you. Hoo! Am I to turn down such a generous offer? Don, you're back! I am. Sup, loser. What the? Are you ready to go? Inverted expectations. Subverted. Yeah, I noticed you did a little ad-libbing in there. I, I screwed it. up. I actually screwed up my own lines. Yeah. Look at that. Your not performance perfect. of an owl was so good that I couldn't. Like, yeah, you just couldn't get your head away from my it. my complete owlness. Everybody, welcome back to Dawn. Dun, 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 podcast dun, dun. anime <laughs> with friends. I am Sabrina Ray, and I dun, 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 am Don. Don't use that song. You're gonna get us attacked by Nintendo's <laughs> savage dogs. I, I mean, if they start attacking us for that, then. <laughs> they've got they've, those lawyers have gotten very bored in their old age copyright takedown uh, anyway don last week we had on ian preschel who came on from the anime top shelf anime no that's not right uh a plus anime <laughs> let me try this whole <laughs> thing again okay sure Here we go i'm warming up still that's why you're suffusing your body with the ancient tea of um i don't know madagascar what kind of tea i've switched to tea that makes me beautiful it has blueberries and aloe vera i don't see how putting that inside your stomach is going to increase your outer beauty but go on girl listen at my age we're pretty desperate all right here we go hello everyone and welcome to okashina podcast anime with friends i am sabrina ray and joining me at last again after a week off, Don, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Dun, 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 dun. <sighs> hey, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was like a cross between Mario and that uh, that little sound that goes off whenever there's I don't know what to call it. I think it's, it's like just... the talk show music cue sting. I don't know what talk shows you're watching. Uh, once for 1914, before 1914? There was... <laughs> you jumped back to, like, prior to broadcast television. <laughs> I did, I did. You should have just jumped back to, like, the... the you don't tell don't me know, what to do. I'm a strong woman. We could have been my watching Springer. Listen, buddy. Springer's like, fine, but he never had Whose baby the, daddy is this? You know, that's He never the had of... the class to use that sound stinger. Wasn't he mayor of Cleveland or something? I believe so. Yes, I believe he was. And now his like bo- ex bodyguard has been on the air like longer than Jerry was. What? What? A- this is news to me. Not that I care that much. It's I'm not Steve our Ditko, audience. but it's something like that. Oh, is he I one of those weird right wing? Um, like I don't radio think hosts? so. I think he's more like the Vince McMahon of of the uh, daytime talk circus i i confess that i have not watched 
daytime talk television since my college years where it just happened to be that you would like find yourself with free time enough that you could sit and be like, oh, what's on the telly? Yeah, I don't think I've turned on the TV with the intent of like being surprised in a very long time. I don't I don't think people even appreciate the fact that the whole concept of TV is dramatically different today than it was when we were growing up because it was like the TV was binary. It was on, it was off. You were watching whatever was being broadcast or you were not. There was very little, um, oh, I'll, I'll summon up some content. Exactly, exactly. So last week you missed it. Ian Preschel from A Plus Anime was here and he and I talked about episodes two and three, but it got very meandering and whatnot. So I kind of want to just go over that with you again. Um, but first, uh, how was your vacation? Oh, so kind of you to ask. It was absolutely lovely. Um, Where did you go? What did you do? I found myself in Idaho, as one does. Um, and <laughs> do you mean you found yourself like in an eat, pray, love way or uh, what would an eat, pray, love way be like you went on a journey of the self to uh, discover no. like I went your passion a... for bullfighting again? No, I haven't I read eat, pray, love. I have to admit, I don't know what it's about. Um, it's not about bullfighting. Just so you haven't read it. No, no, I haven't read it, but I know that it's not about bullfighting, if that's helpful. There might be bullfighting in there somewhere in the margins. I, I suppose... Might have, I might have written a side story fan fiction in the margins of the book at the library in Mawa. Wow, well, that's not where I thought you were going to go with that. But um, yes, no, I, I went out there because, as you may or may not recall, um, my parents have a lovely little home in Idaho. And as a consequence... Um, it was able to go out there and still be socially distanced because at that time I did not That's have um, a COVID shot. Anything so, exciting happen? Uh, I skied for six days straight. So that was, I don't know, that was pretty exciting. I don't know. If I couldn't sleep and I just had to ski the whole time, I think I'd get pretty tired. Um, yeah, it was tiring. There's no no question about that. Um like, how did you poop while you were skiing? That's just, there's lots of questions here. That is not one of the ones I thought you would be asking, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you poop by going inside where there are no, bathrooms. No, you, you said you were skiing for six days straight. That implies oh. that you never stopped. Let me rephrase my statement. I skied six days consecutively. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's the same exact thing you just said. Uh no, actually, skiing six days consecutively is not the same thing as skiing six days straight. I oh, maybe you're right. six days in a row, my friend. This joke is old. Let's move on. You definitely... So, yes, so I went, you skiing, went skiing, and it was lovely, and I would do it again. Great. Exciting. You... How many anime did you watch while you were skiing? Uh, zero. Oh, um... I... No, that's right. No, I watched zero. Um... While I was skiing, I did not watch any anime. That's a shame. Uh, you're not wrong. Because life is anime. No, that's also not entirely <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what what kind of things did you do while you were there other than skiing? Honestly, uh, that was the majority of the day. Um, got to the mountain around 9 and left at around 3. Um, I went shopping. Um, I 
soaked in a hot tub. Um, and Tell I played us more with the about kids. this hot tub. There is a hot tub there uh, at the house, <laughs> and I used it almost every day, and the kids use it. One day I did go for a hike with my um, lovely and wonderful wife um, to the top of a, a little mountain that's behind us, a short hike. Um, and we ordered food out, and um, we did watch uh, the movie White Tiger. I haven't uh, seen it. It's very good. It's very. It's not anime. It's very good. Um, well, it can't be very good if it's not anime. It can be excellent without being anime. <laughs> I'd point out that I still think <laughs> that some of the finest um, stories ever told in cinema are probably not all anime. Well, then maybe you should go and find a podcast that lets you talk about those. Well, this you is were the an one, anime podcast, well, I mean, Don. You thought that I, I was taking a break from everything in my life. I that thought, no, I thought, I thought for sure you would at least bring some Dragon Balls with you. I did not. What? Why would I do that? Dragon? No, I did not bring any <laughs> Dragon Balls. Um, I had a great time. Uh, I was especially happy because my kids got a lot of skiing in and got a lot of experience. Um, and it's just beautiful country out there. And it was a wonderful time. Very sunny the entire time. The truth is I'm just jealous, but well, let's talk about the show that we're here to cover. Yes. We let's missed, hit it. You missed last week when we talked about episodes two and three. And I have to say, I'm very sad that I was not here to join for that. Oh, thank you. Well, I do think this, I, I this series holds a tremendous amount of promise. It's very um, intriguing and very well done, I think, um, just in terms of an anime style. And it's, it's, it is fairly unexpected. I would say the first episode was um, really unexpected. These, these latter ones have developed in a little bit of a, a rote way in that characters have been introduced and sort of the, the team has been fleshed out in a way that I found somewhat, I don't know if predictable is correct. I wasn't surprised that we were introducing additional characters in the way they were being introduced. I, I felt sort of like we were bringing together our motley crew of adventurers to go on a great D&D battle. Right. Well, this series only has uh, 12 episodes. Uh, it was originally supposed to have 12. It will take a short break for a unscheduled um, recap episode at episode eight, I believe. But supposedly, and it's just wrapped up, but supposedly there will be a 13th episode, um, which would have been the original 12th episode, that will air as a special in June. So we may not even be able to finish coverage of the show until after that airs. I, I think the, on... the cruel, hard logic of, of math and such is going to indicate that that is the case. We'll have um, to do a special one-off episode. Yes, I think so. And I think that's fine. Um, there's a lot to talk about in the meantime. You talked about how there were sort of characters coming together and being introduced and how it was kind of, in your opinion, something that was predictable or expected. And I would definitely agree with that in the sense that, like, the show has some DNA of sort of a magical girl show. Uh, the one that comes most clearest to mind to me is one called uh, Puella Magi uh, Madoka Magica, <laughs> which was a short series that also had a sort of uh, every girl in the lead and then another girl that was introduced shortly thereafter who 
was sort of the sundere or the cold but warm on the inside type. And also involved girls going to sort of a psychic or dreamscape and doing battle (laughs) with things from the other side. That show goes in a different direction, but uh, there certainly is a lot of similarities between the two, including the way that they sort of depict that nightmare dreamscape as populated by menacing uh, killers and things that uh, seem sort of otherworldly, but also are specifically menacing using sort of the the language, the visual language of um, of like psycho killer. <laughs> is there is there a visual language called psycho killer, Don? I don't know, but you I... know, like scissors and knives and like wicked smiles, like all of that is in that series as well. And um, I just started watching that one. So I don't know how similar they are after that. But the sort of idea that they're like in the Sailor Moon frame of a bunch of girls come together who are sort of fated to work together to uh, resolve something is definitely in the DNA of the show, it would feel like. And I think that became more clear over episode two and three when we met two new characters. Um, well, technically, we'd already known Nadu from the very first episode, but we got to know her a little better, and so did I. And then we met this character named Rika, um, who is sort of the spitfire of the group and the the funny one and the the one that's the most, like, bold. And I would say the one that's the most like me. Would you agree with that? (laughs) No comment. Of those two, of those new characters, and and sort of getting to know them, what was your take on those characters? So, because we didn't get a chance to talk, and and Ian and I talked, but we went way off the rail, rails on some stuff, and we didn't really do it in a sort of chronological way. So, I kind of just want to get your thoughts on those on um, Nadu and Rika. So, Nadu is still a cipher. I'm trying to understand I'm I'm trying to understand how much of a foil they are for um Hero for I yeah, as I was saying I'm trying to understand how much of a um foil uh she is. And so it's just that's just kind of how I'm trying to process the the their characters cuz and also I'm trying to make to think about like what I know about them at this time. Cause we don't, we, we are introduced to Nehru and she's not, we don't, we don't get much backstory. She doesn't talk much to, um, to I, I has to sort of break down her barriers. Um, and yeah, even when she so. does, we don't, we don't get a lot of, like, it's clear she's going to be a, a puzzle that unfolds or all the characters are going to be puzzles that unfold. In fact, I, I think we don't even know the name of the person she's fighting for by the end of episode four, what we're discussing here today. Yeah. I would, I think that uh, we just know that it's her sister. Right. Uh, Sorry. And then you were asking about Rika. Rika. Is there something weird about her name? Cause Rika Kawai. And then she's like, she says it's like something else. And that's how, you know, she's cute. Oh, well the word Kawai um, can be extended to kawaii. So she has this cutesy little 
um, set phrase that she introduces herself with, with, which becomes less cute the more she does it. Right. And when I was watching it, it reminded me of the scene in um, in I Heart Huckabee, I Heart Huckabees, where Jude Law keeps telling the story about Shania Twain being allergic to mayonnaise. He tells it over and over again. And then when he's challenged by the existential detectives in the story, when he's challenged about that, like, is that all you are? Was just it really a story that, about yeah, mayonnaise? Are you just a story about mayonnaise? He, he suddenly finds himself unable to tell the story without throwing up. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it, although Rika's story and the way that it manifests is different, she's she's sort of like playing up this character and uh and there's only a few moments which we discussed last week where we sort of get to see quote unquote the real her where she sort of turns off the charm and you see that there's this darkness creeping in at her edges right and she becomes more vulnerable right and at the end of the episode three uh after not meshing with I in their debut together in the dream world as uh, wonder killer killers. So just She's before you go on, do you, and that's where we said, left off. You said not meshing. I don't know that I felt like they didn't mesh. In fact, I think they were just beginning to establish a rapport. Um, I felt a little bit differently. Um, I want to hear what you think, but I, I do have to say that, uh, I felt like Rika was still sort of soloing it and they kept getting in each other's way. Eventually they rally a bit, but still Rika gets taken down because she's not paying attention and she uh, and I aren't working together. Uh, no, I didn't. Well, I didn't get that sense at the end of episode three then tell uh, me because they had, I mean, just from my end again, this is all no, it's just okay. my interpretation. Um, I agree that they, because they'd been fighting in a big open space and they found that that was sort of difficult. They couldn't focus themselves. So they, they moved off um, into the trees and they had, uh, and they were both attacking the, the, what should we call it? A super fan. Um, yeah. Well, you can always refer to it as wonder killer. Yeah. True. Which is the snappy name that the Akas gave them. Sachiko is the name of this particular wonder killer. Fine. You can call her Sachiko if you like. Okay. Because she's going to be a pain in our side for the rest of episode four. True. And so right at the end, um, they they were sort of standing together. And then Sachiko unleashes this breath, <laughs> some bad breath, let's say. Um, and it turns out that if... Although I was I was confused, it appeared that both um, I and Rika were hit by this breath. It wasn't clear to me that Rika had taken a more direct blow than um, I had. I would have to go back and look at the tape, but uh, if you say so, I I remember it making sense at the time for me. But that's okay. At any rate, let's, Rika's let's incapacitated, and now we're left with I and. Miko and Mako. Exactly. Exactly. But that's not where we start this new episode. That's no, not we, where started we started with the, with the introduction of another character. 
Uh, yes, this and is this the is, fourth. and I think this is important because I notice it, and I think, oh, we've got a boy character who's here fighting as well. Yes, but that isn't the case. It turns out. No, although you don't know that for a little bit. There are. It actually starts to me in one of the saddest openings that, um, or the saddest opening of all the episodes so far, because we have somebody who's directly speaking to trauma. Um, Because we've got Momoe, who is talking to somebody named Miwa, and Miwa is talking about being abused, molested. Yeah, that is not a great moment. It's quite brutal the way that it happened. Uh, Her dad got fired because the guy who was molesting her or harassing her sexually was an executive at her father's company, it turns out. And nobody was on Momo- no one was on Miwa's side. Not even her parents, uh, or at least right. not her mother. And that's her parents wanted her to take the bullet. Very for the tragic. family, which is just awful. Um, as it turns out, you know, like uh, they they were victims as well. But when it came down to it, they didn't stand by her side, and so she felt very lonely. And. Although Momo says it's not your fault, it's it's not quite enough. In the sense of what? In the sense that it it's not what eventually it's not what eventually defeats this monster. But it does perhaps bolster Miwa, and it seems to be a pattern that's developing. Do you think so? That like the characters are inspired by and or they get to know or they they grow a connection with the the girls who are defending them and in the process of of growing in that direction they they start to become more brave and bolder and they often offer something uh some kind of weapon and in the case of in the literal case of um the two girls with the with the colored hair the two super fans mio and mako miko and mako Miko and Mako, is it? Yes. Okay. Miko, in the case of Miko and Mako, um, they give I their, they call them flash pens, but I think they're called the glow sticks. They give I their glow sticks that are like used for concerts, and those turn into a kind of bladed weapon. And in the previous episode, we saw that when I inspired and shook the girl out of her stupor and got her to stand up for herself that her whip her ribbon became a weapon so there is a slight pattern developing here and with miwa and momo it's not quite so literal as a weapon but miwa does turn um her her like being made into a sexual object into a weapon by turning it against yeah, it's a different offender. sort of support. Because right. in the case of the ribbon, the acrobat didn't seem to know that her ribbon was a weapon. Um, while as here, it seemed Miko and Mako did seem to know in some way to give those to I, in which case they manifested as, as actual weapons. Um, yeah, I don't think they thought it was going to be a weapon. I think they thought that I was going to help them with their plan to use you use song in order to uh, distract and take, 
repel. Sword. Yeah, and which made her dance because not only A, Sachiko wouldn't attack a fellow fan of Yu Yu, and B, the music overtook her and the sort of like feeling that she's at the concert, I assume. But I also uses them as blades. Yes. And uses them to cut her. So that's a lot. That's a lot. You know, Miwa starts stripping and uh, like goes along with the sort of pervy uh, assailant telling him that, you know, she agrees and she's going to like give herself to him. Right. Like, oh, all the things you said are true. I I do want your touch, you know, your um, it was frankly very creepy. Uh, now, what I what, what what really runs through my mind in this episode, which sort of compounds with the last two or three episodes, is that these characters that we're seeing, these monster wonder killers, are they are they actually the people who hurt them, or are they some kind of construct based on what the what those girls perceived these characters as? Oh, okay. Um, I read them as the manifestations of those, of the most horrible. So, well, let's step back. For But you think that these happened in the real world, right? Yeah, but okay. Let's say that does. Then Sachiko is a crazed super fan, but she didn't do anything to Miko and Mako. Or did she? Well, All she know. has to do is is make them feel like they're not fan enough or that she said something that only an adult would say to a child to take them down and they took it way too seriously. It's not really clear. Their backstory, if I recall it, and was that um, it was Yu Yu who committed suicide and they couldn't wait to be with Yu Yu. They, you know, they idolized Yu Yu. And so they as well committed suicide so that they could be closer to Yu Yu. Sachiko sure. is in the so story. Now, I, I, I don't disagree you. that Sachiko could have impacted their lives in a negative way, or the caricature of a superfan could be an amalgamation of all these slights of gatekeeping related to fandom. That and and again, that would comport with my understanding that these that these wonder killers are manifestations of the worst sorts of negative energy that these people have experienced and what caused them to feel the way that they're feeling. Ah, I like that. Um, in the case of molestation, that is, of course, manifested very, very locally, or, you know, the source is, in this case, absolutely known. While as in the case of a super fan, it could be an amalgamation across a huge number of fans, if you will, or a huge number of slights, slings, arrows of outrageous fortune, if you will, that have made the girls feel bad over the years. But it it doesn't, to me, it's it does not feel like each of these uh deserve the same weight but let me ask you this then if if say sachiko had no actual relationship to the girls why do they manifest her that way what are they what are what are we supposed to understand about uh miko and mako that we only understand through the example of sachiko do you understand what I'm saying? It's kind of I mean, complicated. I hear you. I I actually thought a lot about 
Suchko because I didn't feel like it was the same sort of villain as the others that had been manifested. Suchko is more like the original, um, the original Wonder Killer. I, I, what was what was that woman's name? The one that um, I smashed in the first episode. I, I don't know the names. I'm so sorry. It's fine, but that one was sort of death by a thousand cuts where you know it's the ostracization of individuals at the high school level um the sort of uh casting people out you know you don't belong here sort of mentality and that all manifests in that one wonder killer here i feel like it could be something similar and it also could be the girl's own fears about themselves you know it's what do you grow up to be if you are locked into um a view of of you you as sort of the the center of your universe right like if your whole universe is wrapped around um just one idol pop idol then what is the arc of your existence right what what is the end point so it's sort of exactly this exactly this and i think that that has to do with a sort of regret that maybe taking their lives over this pop star was not the best choice (laughs) well i do hope that they regret it no but it's not clear with some of the characters like i think we're getting into episode five if i go and talk too much about that I, i think you are so stop Stop talking. <laughs> All right. Well, once once the Wonder Killer is dispatched, and it happens because Rika comes back. She comes back after their plan kind of works. And it turns out that the Wonder Killer was playing possum. And when Rika comes back, she and I team up and they finally get the drop on her and I finishes her with one of her huge blows, her bludgeoning crushing blows from above. And, uh, and that's it. That's all she wrote. Now, what's interesting is that this character, as you saw in episode, I believe it was three, this world that they're in is Rika's world. And this is Rika's like, this is Rika and I's eggs. And they're a pair for some reason. Yeah, that was... So I kind of felt bad for um, <laughs> for I, because it's like, well, what do you get out of this? Uh, That's what I was going to ask you. What does I get out of this? We know so, Rika was dealing with a crazed fan. Well, crazed might be too strong a word, but a, a fan that was obsessed to an unhealthy degree where even an off-color remark by Rika that was an attempt to distance her to get her to change her behavior for the good ended up ricocheting back on her and had disastrous results. But here we think I can see how Rika would get something out of this story because it very much ties into her past as an idol and sort of the, the issues that she's working through with having lost uh, not her friend, but her her fan and a person who came to mean more to her than she thought. Well, I think it's also Rika's facing a sense of regret because she never wanted to have that much power over anybody's life. 
and her Certainly intentions not. by by turning this woman away were to force the woman to be back you know to essentially reground herself and not and not live her life for Rika. And instead, the woman decided, well, if I'm not living my life for Rika, I'm not living my life at all. Right. So thematically, I can see how all of that plays into Rika working with these two, the Miko and Makos. But what I'm not seeing as clearly is how what I is getting out of it. Do you think I got anything out of it? Do you think this has been part of I's growth as well? Or are we just, is she just along for the ride? I do think she got something out of it. And that is... Um, and I, I don't know if it's here in this episode that it manifests, but she's developing relationships, meaningful relationships with other people. Mm. And in spite of the fact that Rika's, um, I would say I find Rika at best annoying and at worst <laughs> insufferable, <laughs> but okay. Um, I kind of feel like Rika is similar to Koito, who is who I is um trying to resurrect because Rika is intrusive and sort of imposes upon I forces herself into her attention um is showing up on her doorstep um similar to how Koito did that we saw in the beginning um so that's good for I in the sense that that's how you break into I's attention or that's how we interpret that's how Koito did. Obviously, um, I is not totally helpless because she was the one who befriended um, Nehru in a similar way. Yeah. I I like Rika, actually. And I know she can be abrasive, for, for sure. And there's certainly... Uh, she comes with a large slice of embarrassment. Because uh, she just blurts out stuff. And we're going to see more of that in episode five. But uh, Rika is is probably the person who is the first to order dessert and gets everybody else to sort of like loosen their inhibitions a bit. And I think we see that with I, um, where she just is immediately disarmed. <laughs> uh, but I do like how I sticks up for herself. And I said this previously, but it's not like Rika just steps all over her. I mean, we've never seen I be anything less than anything more than sort of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Very passive with Koito whenever we see them in flashback. We've never seen like this bold, like go get em type of I that we're seeing in the present sort of developing with right. these new relationships that yes. she's involved in. We haven't seen very much though. I mean, we're in episode four. And no, the vast but, majority of it is all post, post-Koito's post disappearance. Right. So uh, then we're back to Moe, Momoe's... I'm sorry. Then we're back to Momoe's story. And uh, she is fencing with one of the Wonder Killers. And uh, after the distraction, she's able to get the killing blow. And Miwa says she's still in love with her, even if she's... A girl. Well, she said she fell in love with her over the course of a single day. Uh, yeah, but I mean, she's also a dramatic ghost, basically. Fair enough. That's pretty fair. Uh, and, and no one, you know, like if someone 
if someone were to go to battle with a monster for me, I might be inclined to fall in love with them too in a single day. Well, and also, it's not like you're going to be falling in love with anybody else. You're going to vanish at the end of the day. Might as well make the most of it. Yeah, exactly. And here we, we're also sort of privy to um, Momoi's psychological space or, or, her, or her particular dreamscape, which is a train station, which lends credence to the theory that's developing here that we talked about last week, that the, the spaces that each of the girls are in are related to the girls they're trying to resurrect in some way. So uh, next episode, we'll talk about Neidu's story. But in this episode, we're talking a little bit about Momoi and her statue is in this train station. So we can assume something happened. Probably she left in front of a train. Yeah, the locations do matter. Um which is why we start on the, what, do we start on the beach? Was it, yeah, it was the beach for uh, Rika. Yeah, Rika's, uh, is on, Rika's is on a cliff overlooking the beach and there's a lighthouse in the distance. So probably something to do with that. Um, I, I know the answer. I can't talk about it. Let me just. Uh, oh my on. gosh. How can you tease us this way, Sabrina? I'm so sorry. You're not. Okay. I can see um, those. You, you. At you listening along at home cannot see the smirk on Sabrina's face, but I can, and I will communicate it to you now. <laughs> Imagine a giant smirk. Oh my goodness, really? Yep. Uh, this episode has a very uh, drawn-out ending, actually. It doesn't, it, because it's a two-parter, sort of, it doesn't have, like, a clean ending at the dispatching of the Wonder Killers or anything like that. We get Neiru being discharged early. Um, I think that here we get confirmation that um, in the dream, they're sort of working out their muscles somehow, and that Neidu is becoming more physically capable uh, because of her activities within the dreamscape uh, that are helping her in the real world. And I talks about getting buffer too and possibly getting a six pack. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I wish I could work out of my sleep and wake up uh, rocking. That would, well, that's that would be funny awesome. that you mentioned that because now you can. <laughs> introducing sleep workout. You're just introducing Wonder Eggs, I guess, is pretty much the hey, what you need here. Who who's who's doing the advertisement here? I, I am because it seems a lot cheaper than your sleep workouts. I didn't even say a price. How do you know my sleep workout isn't super cheap? They were paying for these eggs with pennies in like a one of those like um gum dispensing machines. Penny's just another name for a drop of blood, man. How do you know they're not just like... What are you going to... Are you going to charge hay pennies? What are you working on here? <laughs> no. I just want your soul. <laughs> nope. Not not currency I tend to deal with. I'll stick with the Wonder Eggs. Fine. But you have to like spend all the time getting to know them and saving them. I mean, they seem like nice girls. All right, so we get we get her and I hanging out. Um, Neidu calls them a limo. I thought they were going to get Wonder Eggs, but they end up going to her business where she's president. I was extraordinarily annoyed by that. Honestly, like what? It's like you're you're assembling a cast of super friends. You've got Rika, the the ex pop star, or is I don't know if pop star is right, but. So yeah, was, I would say pop star, pop idol. And then you've got um, 
Nehru, who's like some wunderkind businesswoman. Uh, very unlikely. Yeah. And I guess I don't know enough about Momoe yet. No, no. But she has model good looks. We know that. She looks, she reminds me of King from what fighting game? Uh, King of Fighters? No. I think that's it, yes. Yeah, or, King of Fighters. Or what was the, the game with all the swords and there was some uh, somebody with a rapier? Soul Calibur? Soul Calibur, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and that came out of nowhere. <laughs> I was also kind of taken aback by it. Um, and we also get the Akas urging Momo to get to know the other girls. And they mention I as the sun sunflower. And they don't really explain much after that. Yes. But Momo Aka does... Aka and Uruaka? Yeah, Aka and Uruaka. Momo does make an attempt. Uh, she's fighting yet another beast uh, in sort of the coda of the episode. And the beast says, you can't ride the women's only train. You're not a woman. And at this point, we haven't had confirmation that she is a girl. But we've had several hints that that's the case. Yes. Um, but now we get straight up confirmation because she's been sort of waffling back and forth, supposedly, where she tells them, you know, she confesses that she's not a girl. But then they still I think I misspoke earlier when I said that uh, that the that Miwa fell in love with her, even though she was a girl, because that didn't happen. And Miwa thought she was a boy till the very end. And she yeah, played Miwa the was never. Um Miwa was never under any illusions that she was anything but a boy. But here we have her saying straight up that she's a woman and the girl still confesses her love. And this leads to Rika's, I mean, to Momo's backstory, where we find out that a, a girl named Haruka, who was her friend, uh, came on to her in a in a locker room or something. And... And it took her aback. You can see it in the body language. Yep. Uh, she was hugging her, trying to get her to touch her. This is Haruka I'm referring to. But Momo didn't want it. She had her hands flat, like straight down. She didn't want it. And uh, she tries she tries to reach out to these girls because apparently she has trouble with female and female relationships that are friendships because so often they turn into something vaguely romantic that threatens sort of like the normalcy that she's seeking um and here rika automatically starts telling her like saying in front of her loudly that she's a hot guy basically yeah and and it drives momo away where she goes and she starts crying and this gave us an interesting like aside before we get to sort of like i discovering momo on the side of the um on this on the sidewalk or on in front of the shop window we get something weird where Nehru interrogates the akas and she's like there aren't supposed to be boys here and and i want to know what your take on this speech is because it's really strange oh yeah is it ever he says men suicide by intention women by emotion and the other one, Uraaka, sort of laughs and scoffs and says, women are so easily influenced by others. 
the temp- and they refer to something called the temptation of death. And they say, this place is for those who are seduced by death. I, I might be paraphrasing that last bit, but yeah, and that wasn't because I I'm I'm dealing with the subtitles, which didn't. It was the the theme is the same. The words are slightly different. Yeah, but what was your take on this? Because it it was I thought it was insane. I yeah. was, I was really bothered by it because I was like, no, no, <laughs> I do not think that you can um, generalize people's suicides as and. If you're going to do so, I don't think it's a great idea to do so by saying, well, um, women are just easily influenced and emotional and you can basically, you can trick or seduce them into committing suicide. Like, whoa, that's uh, that's some pretty inflammatory language there. And everyone yeah. just seems to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. No, you're- I've been suspicious of the Akas at this point a couple of times. But this is the first time where I outwardly am sort of not trusting them with the well-being of these girls. Oh, I'm terribly repulsed by them. I mean, first of all, they're really creepy, uh, and they're down there. You know, what's what on earth are they doing? We still don't know how this whole engine functions. No, and it's become even less clear how whether this place is a dream or reality, like. It feels like the girls are physically going somewhere and physically visiting a place where they physically get these eggs. But then there's just this sort of like feeling that they must still be asleep in bed because they're in the dream seconds later. I mean, yes, they're cutting out a lot, so we don't see some of the stuff, but yeah. Anyway, so we get a little bit more information. Turns out, I's mom used to be the editor-in-chief, the, the editor-and-chief, or is it editor-in-chief or of-chief? Editor-in-chief. Let's, editor, let's stop beating around the bush. It's editor-in-chief. Her mom used to be the editor-in-chief of a fashion mag, which makes total sense because I is obsessed with modely sort of uh, body types. And she doesn't see herself that way. But she sees Momo that way, and that's sort of how they hit it off. Because Momo asks, what do you see when you look at me? And I says, a crying girl. And then like she gets flustered and says, a crying girl with model good looks. And uh, and then they sort of bond over the weirdest thing. <laughs> they all like Adam's apples. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, it made me feel pretty good because I've got a massive Adam's apple. But uh, other than that, it was, I thought, sort of a funny... Um, funny conversation. Yeah, you know what? I don't know if I like Adam's apples. I don't think I feel any way about Adam's apples. I don't think they're attractive or unattractive. I guess I think that sin is attractive, like the original sin of stealing an apple. What? I guess I wasn't expecting you to take this that direction. Oh, from the the tree of knowledge? That's why we have Adam's apples or why people have them. Is that why? Is that why we've got Adam's apples? Yeah. They're not related to any physical reason. That protrusion is the apple sticking out. I don't recall in the Bible, and correct me if you're an expert on the Bible or even moderately informed, but I don't recall any passages where Adam choked on the apple. 
he never swallowed it. That's what he said. He had a press (laughs) conference and he was like, I may have taken a bite of the apple, but I did not swallow it. Mm -hmm. No, not. uh... And all the snakes cheered. (laughs) But the snakes were the devil. Spoiler alert. Thank you. Thank you for that. That quick. All right, we're running long, so I'm going to wrap this up. But uh, Rika thinks that she has a lovely neck, but they call her neck like a puppy. Yeah, well, that's because Rika is just attention seeking, and they're they are uh, able to quickly diffuse her attention seeking behavior, which is what great friends do. I mean, we have lots guess, of but friends so... in common, and we also sort of fall into our roles and jibe on each other. And I, I just felt that like Rika is either mooching off of somebody, or she's. Um, calling attention to herself and denigrating other people. Like she hasn't at the moment done too much to um, redeem herself or show that she's got a more sensitive side. Yeah. Okay. But she's sort of like, these are all like spices and ingredients in, in the stew, you know? Like, yeah, but you need Arika to add the spice to the to the party. Do you though? To, to I guess the, the older I get, the less Rikas I need. Well, you're going to be in an old folks' home, just having the bland stew as I is. Am, no salt, I'm ready no to move in now. You know, they those places take care of you. They've got like movie theaters in house. You can go play backgammon down the corner. All your meals are available in one institution. It sounds like heaven. No, well. I can't comment on that because I work with them, but let's just say. Well, just imagine that those people were hale and hearty and able to move around. It would be a much different situation. That is true. <laughs> That's why you got to move into those early. Homes yes. Early. Why not? They seem pretty sweet. Yeah. Why not? Um, wow. Where do we go from there? Uh, Sawaki <laughs> is her last name. Momo's last name. Is Sawaki, which is the same as I's teacher. Uh, yes, and I recognizes that when she is introduced. Yep, but it's sort of a playful moment still. I think that the 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 here we we see that they're instant friends is basically what I came away with. Uh, they they laugh awkwardly. They have a great time, and that's going to play out in episode five. So let's let's uh, wrap up this episode and and. Uh, you guys can listen next week and we'll talk about episode five. <clears throat> anyway, thank you all for listening um, and joining us. Uh, Don, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> uh, it always is. Are we going to go out with our signature catchphrase? We are. But first, if you have any comments, questions, or want to tell us how full of shit we are, go to our Twitter at Okashina Podcast. That's O-K-A-S-H-I-N-A Podcast. You can tell me, you know, what a beautiful neck I have. Your neck isn't isn't bad. I give it, I give it an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. That's not bad. That's what I said. Thank you. I do have a good neck. It's true. It's not like a puppy at all. Okashiku, ikoyo, ikoyo.